Good morning. Uh, In our youth group Sunday school, every single week, uh, we share, or we go around uh, the table or the chairs or whatever we are sitting in, and we uh, share our highlight of the week. And sometimes I have a little bit of difficulty remembering uh, what happened this week. Does anybody else have that issue? Um, And so sometimes it's hard for me to remember a highlight of the week, not because I had a bad week, because I'm like, I don't know what happened this week. I think I got my highlight this morning when Amber told Lincoln uh, that I, too, was afraid of heights, and he laughed like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) So uh, there will be no surprises with my highlight of the week this week in Sunday school youth group. So um, good morning. I'm uh, Mitch. I am the youth and college pastor here at Celebration. If this is your first time joining us, we want to give you a special welcome. We're glad to have you here this morning. If you don't know me, I grew up in Long Island, New York. Uh, I say some words funny. You may catch that every now and then. And I grew up going for a couple years to a church called Eastport Bible Church. Eastport Bible Church is a, one of uh, another Grace Gospel Fellowship Church on Long Island. Uh, and I had the pleasure and the honor while there to be pastored by uh, two amazing men, um, and one of them was Pastor Jeremy Herr. He was the youth and college uh, pastor at Eastport, and he was a, a huge reason why I was um, drawn to youth ministry and how I came to fa- find that God was calling me to youth ministry. And the other pastor was the senior pastor, and I have a picture of him, Charlie Young, Pastor Charlie Young. Maybe some of you know uh, Pastor Charlie, I can tell that some of you know Pastor Charlie because I see big smiles and nodding as I put up his picture because you have met Pastor Charlie. And this is Pastor Charlie. Whenever you meet Pastor Charlie, he is just so full of energy. He always has a smile on his face. And uh, we loved Pastor Charlie growing up, and I was honored to be pastored by him and to learn so many things from him. But uh, Pastor Charlie was also very infamous in our church for something. Um, If you were at church and you, uh, maybe you just stopped by, maybe you on Sunday morning you forgot your Bible or your jacket, and so you'd go to church just to get your Bible or jacket. You were just there for a second. Uh, Maybe you were leaving uh, a youth group event, whatever it was. Pastor Charlie was infamous for coming down from his office, coming over to you, putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, hey, do you have a second? And right then and there, you knew that Pastor Charlie was not going to be just taking up one second of your time, but he was going to have a long job for you to do or to drive you somewhere where you were going to end up uh, shoveling somebody's driveway, whatever it was. He had something that he was going to have you do. He was well known for this, and you knew when you saw him coming, if he was putting out his hand to put on your shoulder, you knew exactly what was coming. Uh, But... Even though at the moment, maybe, maybe some people were just like, oh, I, just, I just don't have time for this right now. Come on, Pastor Charlie. I don't want to go shovel another driveway. Uh, Pastor Charlie, to me, was such an amazing example of someone who had a servant's heart. Someone who wanted to get out into his community and show uh, people the love of God, the love of Jesus, and wanted to do that through serving we have for, we started last week and we will be continuing it on next week. We've been going 
through this sermon series on serving. And this week we are indeed talking about serving in the community. Last week we talked about serving one another as Christians in our church. Next week we're going to talk about serving in the world. But this week we're going to talk about serving in community. And even though Pastor Charlie is such a great example in my life of someone who has a heart of ser- a servant's heart and wanted to serve his community, there's someone better that all of us can learn from. And I know uh, the Sunday school answer is coming up in your mind right now. He's going to say it. Yes, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one that we can look to for someone with a servant's heart who is such an amazing example of a servant, someone who served in his community. Now, when we talk about serving, serving is something that when somebody serves another person or people, uh, there is something that is needed there. (laughs) And funny, funny enough, that thing that is needed is a need. And as people, we tend to look at certain needs. And I find that a lot of times when we are going out to serve, uh, we, in our minds, we separate needs. And so there are different needs that people have that uh, we can serve them in. The first would be a physical need. This could be a a health problem. Somebody has a health problem and maybe, uh, obviously, there's certain health problems that we are not able to fix because we are either it's something that simply can't be fixed or it's something that uh, we don't know how to fix. But a physical need could be a health problem. It could be just helping somebody uh, who is not physically able to do something. It could be something as in somebody isn't able to physically, they don't have a physical need such as food or finances to get food, and that could be a physical need. Another need would be an emotional need. Um, For someone who has lost someone uh, recently, who someone knows someone in their family who's died, uh, normally (laughs) that's going to be an emotional need that someone needs to be filled, whether that's someone just actually talking or sitting and listening to that person. Something, it's not my phone, right? (laughs) That would be terrible. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so someone struggling with depression, that is an emotional need, and that's a need that we can look for when we're serving. And then, of course, as Christians, we also know that there are spiritual needs that people have. We know that everyone in this world, they need to know God's love, that they need to hear the gospel. As Christians, we know that this is the truth. And so when we go out and serve, whether in the community, wherever it is, I think whenever we go out and serve, we have this one, uh, one or two of these needs in our mind that specifically we are going out to fulfill or try and fulfill or try and help in. And sometimes what happens when we have our mindset on one specific need is that sometimes we're completely just, we miss another need that may be at the forefront of another person's mind. And sometimes we have, we have great intentions. A lot of times we have great intentions. Maybe we, we go out and we, uh, we have the spiritual need in mind, uh, but perhaps because we're so focused on one of these specific needs, We miss another need. 
And sometimes because of that specific focus that our minds uh, get, which is natural for us, that we miss another need. And because we miss another need, uh, sometimes a wall is put up with that person that we went out to serve. And they, uh, because we missed a need that in their mind is, this is, this is more important right now uh, to me, um, it, it puts up a wall that maybe stops us from serving. I think of uh, I, like an example of somebody tells, uh, tells you, you know, I just, bills have been tough and I'm having a real time struggling uh, even getting food to be able to just have a normal, a normal week where I can just eat right. <laughs> and just uh, the, the funny idea of putting your hand on their shoulder and being like, I'm going to pray for you. Um, and, and in that moment, it might be a genuine thing. However, uh, if you're missing that need of, hey, why not just help out if you're able to with that physical need being presented, uh, you could miss an opportunity to fulfill some of those other needs. And when we look at Jesus in the Bible, um, whenever we see him serving in his community, the people walking around, we kind of see that Jesus, he doesn't miss this point. When Jesus goes out to serve, he sees needs and he sees the connection in people's minds. Even he knows what is the most important, but he still sees the connection between all of these needs. Now think about that as we, as we keep going. Um, think about those needs and how sometimes we separate those in our minds and how Jesus sees that connection. So Jesus, we know, was the Messiah. He, he is the Messiah. He was the anointed one. Uh, he, was a, he was the savior to the world. And the Jewish people during Jesus' time, they were waiting for a very long time for this Messiah to come. And so when Jesus came and he told people, he began telling people, I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. Uh, people had, of course, some expectations uh, of Jesus because they had expectations that came with that title of Messiah. I think we always, we always hear a lot that you know, people during that day, they expected that Messiah, that anointed one, that, that king, that ruler, uh, to be exactly that, a king. Maybe like riding on a white horse with a large crown and, and leading, whether it was a warlord that was going to lead them to forcibly free them from their oppressors. They had this image of a king. And, and kings, as everyone knew, and even in today's world, kings are people that are served by many, many people. Kings have many, many servants. And so there was this expectation, I believe, of a Messiah who would have many servants who would come and possibly would be a man to be served. That is who people would go to serve. However, so there was this to be served. That is one of the expectations. However, Jesus, when we see him in the Bible, uh, we don't often see him being served, Right? In fact, he flips that on its head, that expectation, and we see him serving. We get the image always in my, my mind, that image when I think of Jesus serving is on the floor, washing his disciples' feet. Jesus um, did not come to be served. In fact, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus said that in Matthew 20, verse 28. 
So he flips this, this whole expectation on his head. He did not come to be served, but to serve others. As the Messiah Jesus, we know he was, Jesus was without sin. He was holy. He was completely righteous. And as the Messiah, this righteous man of God, this expectation for this Messiah would have been that he would have spent all of his time with the other righteous people during his day, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those who spent all their time in the temple, the synagogue, learning the scriptures, who knew the scriptures, who followed the law to a T. And yes, uh, we do see that Jesus spent time in the synagogue. In fact, we read, and we'll read in a second, um, if you want to turn to the book of Luke with me, uh, we'll read that Jesus made going to the synagogue a habit for himself on the Sabbath and to speak there. And so let's take a look at one of the times where Jesus was in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14 and going to verse 21. This is uh, when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, and he was going to the synagogue. And this is this was what the expectation was. And so we read, starting in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. So it's his custom. It's something he normally does. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so uh, we see Jesus is at the synagogue, and he gets up to speak. And what is he speaking about? He's speaking about what he has been doing and what he is continuing to do. He's going out and he is speaking and telling the good news to the poor. He is going out to prisoners. When we think of the word prisoners, we don't uh, relate the word righteousness to prisoners because prisoners implies that they've done something wrong. To those who are oppressed, we, we think of Jesus going out to people in his society uh, in his community, who would prob- who would have been had these righteous people uh, pointing at them and saying these are sinners, um, and so Jesus, even in the synagogue, is saying this is what I am going to be doing, and in turn, I believe, is saying this is what you should also be doing with the people around you, serving in your community. We look at another uh, passage where this is a good example in John 9 of an example where Jesus was doing this exact thing in which he is talking about. In John 9, uh, just uh, one book over, we read in verse 1, 
This is a story about where Jesus heals a man who is blind, born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming and no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Just kind of disgusting, I know, kind of weird. (laughs) But bear with me. Uh, Made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Silo, so that the man went and washed and came home seeing. And so Jesus uh, sees a physical ailment. This man uh, is, is blind. He's been blind since birth. Um, and he sees this physical need, and Jesus does something that we, we can't normally do, but he meets that need, he serves this man, and he, he makes him able to see again. And yet this isn't the end of the story. This isn't where the story ends. This man uh, goes home, and people recognize him, and they say, hey, isn't that the guy that has been blind his whole life? He's walking around. He can see now. That's strange. And they talked to him, and he said, yes, I can see. I am that man. And they brought him, of course, before the Pharisees, the teachers of that day, to tell them about this miracle. Now, the Pharisees hear about Jesus, and quite often when the Pharisees hear about Jesus, they don't like what they hear about Jesus, and they're very, very upset about what this man has to say about Jesus. And uh, this is uh, the man's response when the Pharisees are rebuking him on what he is telling them happened. Uh, If you skip down with me to verse 30, uh, the man answered, "Now now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Now, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And so this man is completely rejected by uh, the Pharisees. And what happens? Uh, Jesus, we keep reading in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And so we talked about how uh, in our own minds, a lot of times we, we differentiate between these different needs of people, but sometimes that can put up a wall. Jesus, I think in many stories, and in this story in particular, he saw a physical need and he helped this man who couldn't see. Uh, Jesus, of course, knows that there is a much, much more important need for this man, a spiritual need that needs to be filled. And yet in his helping and serving this man of his physical ailment, this man comes back to Jesus and a door has been opened for this man to accept what Jesus wants to tell him. And because of this, this man ends up believing and worshiping Jesus as the Messiah. Another uh, story about 
uh, Jesus serving in his community and, and reaching a need um, is in John chapter 4. And we're going to read uh, closer to the end of this, and I'll just tell you a little bit about this, this story. But uh, Jesus is at a well, which a well during Jesus' day was a very, uh, a very strong place uh, for their community. It was somewhere that people went often to, to get a drink, to get water, but to also socialize around this well. And so Jesus is there, and he sees a Samaritan woman, and he asks her to fetch him a drink. And if you know anything about Samaritans and Jews during Jesus' time, to say that they didn't get along would be an extreme understatement. They did not get along to an extreme. And so as soon as uh, Jesus asks this woman, uh, will you get me a drink, she is like stunned right away. Because as a Samaritan, um, she would have been seen as an outcast. And so not only is this Jewish man speaking to her, but this Jewish rabbi, this teacher, is speaking to her and asking her for a drink. And she tells him, she's like, whoa, why are you asking me for a drink? Don't you know that I'm a Samaritan? Don't you know that this is wrong? You, you shouldn't be talking to me. You're, you're not supposed to like me. That's not how it's supposed to be. And yet Jesus does continue to talk to her. And we find out that Jesus knows a lot about this woman. He knows that she is, uh, she says she's not married, and he says, yes, you're not married because you have five husbands, and the man you are staying with isn't even currently your husband. And he knows that this woman uh, has been living in a sinful way, and even though he points that out to her, uh, he still continues talking to her, a woman who in her society, because of the way she was living and because of who she was born as a Samaritan, she was a complete and total outcast. And Jesus still continues to talk to her. And because of this, this woman comes to believe in Jesus. And I think we see that Jesus, with a lot of the people he talks to, he sees outcasts in his community, people who have been shunned by the people who should be going to them and showing them love, and serving them, and showing them what God's way is. And he meets this emotional need of these people, and he certainly does so for this one Samaritan woman. In fact, uh, now if we look at verse 39, we see that because of this woman's belief in him, because of what Jesus did with this woman, we read that many more Samaritans believe in Jesus. We read in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And so we see Jesus uh, not only uh, com- confronting this need of this one Samaritan woman, but a whole group of Samaritan women, not only, or not Samaritan women, but Samaritan people, and uh, not only going and speaking with them, but staying and, and living with them for two days, eating with them, spending time in their houses, people whose society would have completely rejected and who had this emotional need 
we all have an emotional need to be accepted, uh, whether or sometimes we like to admit it or not. And Jesus saw that, and because of that, he was able to open a door to be able to fulfill their spiritual need. And so as, as we're looking at uh, these uh, examples, there are so many more uh, in the Bible where Jesus uh, fe- feeds the 5,000, uh, where he uh, creates this miracle where he's able to feed 5,000 people with fish and bread, uh, something that's simple, and many of them probably would have just gone back to town, but he saw a physical need and he fulfilled it. We see him healing paralyzed people. We see him fulfilling many more acts of servanthood out in his community just as he's walking along the street. And that's, that's one of the things I find that's amazing is many of these things, it seems like Jesus just kind of was walking and traveling and these things were, these, these opportunities were in his way uh, and he took the opportunity to serve other people. And so uh, as we're thinking about Jesus as this example to us, uh, this verse, these verses that Paul writes comes to mind where in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 5, Paul says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus is such a strong example to us of why we, who, what we should be doing and how to have a servant's heart, Uh, especially in these cases where it just seems like these opportunities were just placed in his path and he chose to be a servant and to put others in front of himself. Uh, Some of you may remember last year we had a Sunday school class that we looked at a book called The The Secret of Christian, The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission. And we looked at two ways that you, uh, that Christians, as Christians, we can share the gospel. And the first one, and I think the most obvious one to us, is by proclaiming the gospel. This of course, would be telling people about Jesus, telling people about the life of Jesus, how Jesus came, he died and rose again, how he paid for our sins. And the only thing we have to do to be able to spend an eternity with our loving Father, our loving God, is accepting him and his love and accepting Jesus as our Savior. That is proclaiming the gospel. And I don't think any of us in this room would argue that this is so extremely important to do that, to tell people about Jesus. This is something we know we should do, and we should, as uh, Jim said the word last week, be provoked to do this in our own lives, to share Jesus uh, by telling people about him. But there is another way that we can share the gospel as well, and this is by promoting the gospel. And this would be, to promote the gospel would be to share Jesus' love, to share the love of Christ with other people by our actions, by serving. And when we're talking about serving, who else truly needs to know the love of Christ than the people who don't know Christ? Um, even when we're talking about serving our, our, in our own churches and serving each other, uh, Paul tells us 
that we should be an example to others of servanthood and love when we serve each other. It's even in that sense, we can be an example and we can promote by serving each other. But who needs this more than people who don't know God? And who more appropriate than the people who we can see every day are the neighbors that live right next to us, the people who live right on our street, the people who we go to work with that they have never been told about God, or maybe they've never truly been shown what the love of Christ is. And so promoting the gospel through serving and through loving others can be a way to share the gospel. And I think quite often is the first step in being able to truly proclaim the gospel to others and to be able to have a, a real relationship and a real conversation with somebody uh, in which you can tell them uh, with your words about Jesus. Uh, for the past couple of years, our youth group has done a, our annual leaf-raking party. Uh, yes, it is a party. Um, and we have gone uh, to the Kellum's neighbor's house. Uh, this man who uh, doesn't uh, like to speak to anybody. I believe Owens told me he, he, he'll try and go out and and talk to this guy, and he'll, he'll notice the guy tries to, like, sees him and tries to, like, run back in his house before he, like, actually gets a chance, um, and, and hopefully Owen catches, I know Owen's caught him quite a few times and been able to talk to him, um, but we, we've been able to go to this man's house who doesn't, he doesn't keep up his yard work, and if, if you drove past his house, you might think, does anybody live there? Like, it doesn't look like anybody lives there. And as a youth group, we've been able to go to this man's house for the past two years, and we'll be going again this year, uh, to just be able to rake his lawn and make his front lawn look a little bit nicer and to serve him in this way. We know that this guy has been at his house when we've been there because his car's been there. Um, however, we, neither myself nor uh, any of the youth group students, have ever met this guy or even seen this guy. Um, however... Uh, that being said, I truly believe that in serving this guy by doing something very, very simple, like raking his lawn, we are doing what God wanted us, wants us to do in promoting the gospel. Because maybe this man has never really seen that much love in his life and has never really gotten that um, just being served for no specific reason, except that someone wants to show him love. And because of this, I'm really hoping that maybe this will open the door, and I'm going to put the Kellums on, on spot here this morning, I told them I would, so, um, of maybe this will open the door for maybe a conversation, whether it's between us when we're there one time, or even them as living right next to them, to be able to proclaim the gospel and share with them the love of Christ. And that's one of the powerful things about serving is you don't really know how far the little things that you can do for other people will go in someone else's life. Now, uh, as a church, we are, of course, uh, called to do this, to get out into our community, to serve others. And so this year, I'm really proud to say that we are going to be doing it as a youth group, but we are also going to have our very own church-wide leaf-raking party. Um, so uh, what we're going to be doing is 
in late October or maybe early November. I am not uh, the leaf wizard, so I don't really know when exactly the leaves are going to fall. So it's a little bit hard to set a, a date at this point for this. But we will, in late October or early November, when the leaves are ready to be raked up, we will be taking a day, a Sunday after Sunday school, and we are going to have our very own church-wide leaf raking party. And what we're going to do is we're just going to go around our community. You can see the little pinpoint of celebration there at the bottom. And this isn't going to, we don't have a specific route yet that we're going to take, but we're going to go around just this area and we're going to go and ask people, hey, can we rake your yard? We have a lot of people and we could get it done like that. <laughs> and we're not looking for donations. And if, if I'm sure that people are, some people may try to, shove money uh, towards us because some people just can't uh, be served without giving something else. Uh, but we won't take them. We just want to show people uh, that, we're, that we love them and that we want to show them Christ's love. Um, but we're going to go around. We're going to say, hey, can we, ser- can we serve you? Can we just rake your yard? And we may be turned away from some houses. I'm pretty sure we will be turned away. However, putting ourselves out there and trying to show people uh, God's love is something that we're called to do. And I truly wonder, uh, as a church, we are, we are here every Sunday. We're here more than just Sunday. But I wonder how many of these houses that we can see are people who have never really felt the love of God, who have never really had somebody be able to show them the love of God, who've never really been able to have somebody share the love of God with them, whether through promoting or proclaiming the gospel to them. So that's what we're going to do. And so if that's something that you in your mind say, I could do that. That sounds cool. I, I know how to rake leaves. I, uh, I don't need a degree for that. That sounds easy. Um, what we're going to have you do is as you leave uh, the service today, there are cards on the back table. And they just simply say, I will, I will serve with a rake. And so what you're going to do is you're going to write your name on this. And uh, do we have a basket back there, Jim, for these? No, we'll, we'll get a basket for these. And just put your name in this so we can get an idea of how many of you are willing to serve. Now, I know that depending on the day, maybe some of you won't be here, but, and we'll understand that. But if you are here, write that as a commitment to yourself. If I'm here, I'm going to do that. And we are going to keep you updated on when that, when that Sunday is going to be that we're going to do this together. It'll be a lot of fun, and it'll just be this amazing opportunity for us to get out into our community, maybe meet some people who live right next to us and we've never met before and maybe they've driven past our church every day and they've never even given us a second thought. And even if out of this one person is able to feel Christ's love because of this, isn't that so worth it? And so even if you're, if you're not able to do this or even if you are able to do this, other ways that you can serve in your community, think going along with the leaf raking, is by, you know, next time you go out to lay, rake your leaves, uh, just take a look to your right and to your left and just say, what if I just raked my two neighbors' houses? Um, whether you knock on their door and ask them or not, maybe you just keep on going. And I, 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 I think that some of your neighbors will think that you're really weird and strange and will give you some weird looks, but that's okay. Um, because as followers of Christ, I think if we are following Christ correctly, we're going to get that sometimes. I'm sure some of you have gotten that before. What if maybe you live in an apartment complex, maybe you're not physically able to do something like that. What if you uh, just 
go and make your neighbors a pie and just give it to them for absolutely no reason other than to show them love. I know if somebody brought me a raspberry blackberry pie, I would listen to them and share whatever they wanted to share with me. Um, (laughs) Who doesn't love pie, right? But there are little ways that can be presented to us every day in which we can serve in our community. And that's something that we as a church should strive to do, that we should be provoked to do. And so I urge you that if this is something that you want to take part in, just write your name and put it in the basket back there today. As we uh, wrap this up, I just want to read the words of Jesus when he is asked what the greatest commandment is. And Jesus tells the people asking him what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. And I love that he says, and the second is like it. It is similar to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because when we are able to go and we are able to love our neighbor, we are able to love and want other members of our community, we are showing God that we love him and want to serve him by serving others. John, 1 John 4.19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for today, and we just thank you so much for uh, your son, uh, the greatest example of what it is to have a servant's heart. We pray that we can just, those words, to have that same mindset as your son, Christ Jesus, to have that same attitude as your son can just resonate with each and every one of us and that we can, uh, as Christians, as, a, uh, as people individually, that we can serve your community and show people your love. We pray that as a church, that is something that we strive to do and that's something that we can accomplish to show people through serving your love. We love you so much, Lord. You are an amazing God. And we will talk to you soon. Amen. You're dismissed. Please stick around for our Sunday school classes.